0: Can I take my my social...
1: Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Peter J. Deruda or his guests are liable for the usage of information discussed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.
2: On today's show, we'll reverse engineer a lifetime of savings for retirement. It's called decumulation. When the time comes, you have to make smart decisions,
3: Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Financial Safari with Kevin Frisbee. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin, of course, author of a great little book called Every Dime Every Day. He's president of Frisbee and Associates an independent of fiduciary and uh, so much more than that. Hey, Kevin, what's happening? Hey, Steve, how you doing this weekend? Uh, doing well, thank you. Yeah, I like these discussions. Where you talk about decumulation and I know it's kind of a uh, like a mouthful kind of word, but it, it really makes sense. And when you said reverse engineer, that's really what you do when it comes to putting a retirement plan together, isn't it?
2: It really is part of the, the, the retirement plan. And the interesting thing for me is people come in and we try to set them up on a on a, a strategy, right? And figure out how how to lay out this this financial plan going forward. And part of that plan is how do we start taking and where do we take money from? Uh, their accounts to to supplement their income. And that decumulation, you you go through your life and you have really the three phases of money in in your life. You have the accumulation phase from 20 to 50 years old, you're growing money, you're saving, you're trying to do everything everything you can to get money into the accounts. Then you have the protect and preserve, which is about 50 to 62 years old. You got to now start to think that you're, you're getting older, you want to try to protect some, preserve some, get in your older years. And then you have the distribution, but it's really the decumulation phase, same same thing, same mm-hmm. time, where how do you start taking that money out? How do you do it tax efficiently? Where do you take the money from to do it tax efficiently? And, and then what do you do? Do you spend the money? Do you reinvest it? Uh, wh- what does that all look like?
3: Well, and again, that's where that's where working with an advisor like you, Kevin, makes so much sense. You're a fiduciary. You're looking out for us. You're independent. You've got a lot of choices. Um, and, and again, because that's just such a monumental task. I mean, if you've got a 401k, maybe you've got a Roth IRA and and maybe a brokerage account. I mean, how do you know where to, where to even begin? So that's the point. It, it's gonna We're going to look at first and foremost what you need for a budget, you
2: know, above and beyond what your fixed incomes are. And then, what do you have for types of assets? If to your point, you Roth IRAs, uh, non-retirement accounts like a brokerage account, uh, retirement accounts. So we're probably going to take from a a couple different areas. Again, I'm going to look at the tax brackets. We might talk Roth conversion strategy. How much can we convert to a Roth IRA? And, and not pump you into a higher tax bracket, but all of it, all of the, that conversation, Steve, revolves around trying to minimize taxes.
3: And that's a big that's a big task right now because the only thing we see anymore is that taxes are going up, taxes are going up, and it's going to happen. It seems.
2: Listen, this three and a half trillion dollar plan with the backdoor tax increases that are part of this, um, I, you know, I'm I'm a little bit fearful. Maybe that's not the right word, but concerned. About how that's going to royal the markets and how investors will look at that going forward. I, I just did a couple seminars up in uh, the Lincoln area and I talked about this at the seminars. I said, listen, here's the thing when the politicians are talking about not raising taxes on people making more than $400,000, okay, maybe some accuracy to that. But what about the real tax that they're going to implement to people? What they're proposing potentially is lowering the inheritance tax to a million dollars. Right now, it's five and a half million dollars, and you and you might be listening to the show thinking, "Oh, no big deal. You know, nobody should get left behind that anyway." Well, let's let's think about this as an average American household. Add it all up. You've got your retirement accounts, you've got your real estate, your home, whatever that might be valued at, which have gone up tremendously in the last few years. Cash value life insurance. I'm not. I'm sorry. Not not cash value, but face value life insurance. Let's say you got a four hundred thousand dollars life insurance policy that gets added to your estate what you leave behind for tax purposes and anything else you might have for personal effects. And in most cases here in the United States, a lot of people, if you start to add it all up, are above a million dollars. So if they're gonna tax your heirs, your beneficiaries, 40% above above and beyond the million dollars, that's where they're gonna get a lot of their tax. The other thing is, if they start to talk about eliminating the step-up in cost basis, you take these these families that have these farms and properties that have been in the family for, for generations, not just years, but generations, and the farmers out West that have have these, uh, these businesses that are feeding us here in America. If they can't leave that behind without a step-up basis, and all of a sudden there's a 40% tax on those farms, it's going to put a lot of these farmers out of business. And, and it's going to be a ripple effect dramatically through our food supply. So the point is... Yeah, they may not raise taxes on people making more than $400,000, but they're going to come by way of some of these other uh, tax increases that are going to affect almost every single American.
3: Give me a breakdown of what that step up in cost basis is. And, and I know we've talked about it before, but just a real 5,000 foot view.
2: Yeah. So let's say let's say I have a, uh, a home and- um, uh, an investment property. Let's say you, you bought an investment property and you have a, a son and a daughter, you leave your, you know as beneficiaries to that property. And let's say you bought that property 20 years ago for 50 or $75,000, let's say $50,000. You pass away and right now your children, your beneficiaries, when uh, from the day of your passing, get a step up to the value of that property. So if they put the property for sale, they basically wouldn't have any income tax on those gains, what you've had, you know, at that investment for all those years. If they eliminate that, that's going to automatically force your beneficiaries to pay a forty percent tax on, let's say, if they sold the house for two hundred fifty thousand. That's going to be a forty percent tax on a two hundred thousand dollars in profit. So wow. it's going to leave them an eighty thousand dollar chunk less than what you would intended to leave behind to your beneficiaries. So the beneficiaries are going to pay a big, big price if some of these tax changes get implemented. And, and I'm again fearful—maybe not the right word—but concerned that we don't have enough support pushing against these tax hikes, all of a sudden you've got politicians that they're looking at this saying, yeah, yeah." yeah." some of the politicians that were against it now are being included and they're buying them off. Basically They're, they're giving them gifts and they're saying, hey, we're gonna give you your state X amount of dollars because we want your vote and again
3: the the ripple effects through our economy for generations will be uh, felt for a long long time well you know when you when you describe it that way that the generational you think about the the home you know, like you said farmers are just somebody who's got land and a home and it's been around for generations i mean that could be just Devastating, devastating. I'm telling you, I'm. This is a big deal.
2: If you start to look at the repercussions of what's going to happen, and and we we Steve, we've been talking about this for a long time, right? By continuing to print all this money. And and given this, you know, the free money way to all these people and all these organizations, whatever, somebody has to pay the price. And I think the the Piper's about to, to, to play his music because that tax bill that if they implement that as part of the three and a half trillion dollar plan that they want to pass, there's 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 no one in sight to the, the again the negative effects tax wise. And if you look at the stock market, I do believe today if that bill does not pass and they don't. You know, change the, the capital gains rates and all that, that they're proposing, the stock market should continue higher for a long time to come because inflation is running hot and people are pumping money from the sidelines into the market. But the caveat to that is if they change the capital gains rates upwards of 120% higher than where they're at right now from 20% to 44 and something percent, all of a sudden, people that have long-term investments in the stock market are going to sell, they're going to cash out, they're going to take their, their uh, profits and pay the lesser tax and all of a sudden, the market's kind of a, a pretty good size correction,
3: and that certainly is a, is a possibility, isn't it? It's a possibility. Again, I, I'm not a, a, a negative
2: Nelly, but, right? But at the end of the day, the realist in me says, "Wait a minute, these these guys and gals in Washington are making some massive proposal changes to the tax codes, and what does that do to the markets?" And everybody knows that you know the markets are high. Again, I do believe the markets could continue to go higher if that tax bill doesn't pass. But if if that happens, all bets are off the table, really. I, I mean the market now will have uh you know the the the
3: pin in the in a balloon, so to speak, and and who knows where the bottom of that will end up. 800 998 5649 that's the number you can call. We started talking about decumulation and, and talking about the sequence of returns or basically how you take the, the money out of your accounts. That is something else that you do day in, day out for folks. Well, here's the thing. There's a if you
2: if you run a chart, if somebody comes to the office, I'll walk through this, but
3: Let's say you retire
2: with a half a million dollars and you start distributing some of that money on the front end of that as the market's declining. Let's say the market's on a pullback, right? You start pulling that money out. You run a much larger risk of running out of money because now you're, you're locking in losses versus if you retire, let's say you don't need that distribution right away. And all of a sudden, if the market has a pullback, you don't need to take those distributions out to, to supplement your income. You're much better off because now you can wait for the market to come back. So that sequence of returns is basically what part of your retirement does the market have its fluctuations, its ups and downs. It's going to have a massive effect on how long and how much more you have or not have at the end of your lifetime basically. And it could, again, it could put you in a chance that you run the risk of running out of money potentially if you start locking in losses if the market starts going down. The ideal situation, obviously, is if the market keeps going higher, you take your distributions, and bang, you're you're good to go, and you leave behind everything you had started your retirement with, and you supplement your income. That's the ideal situation, but life happens, right? It doesn't yeah. always work that
3: way. It sure doesn't. And and uh, you know, we think in retirement, and I know we got to get to take a break here in a moment, but uh, we we think as we get into retirement that things are suddenly going to uh, we're going to suddenly spend less money, and that really isn't necessarily the case, especially early on. <laughs> It's,
2: it's a theory, right? I mean, the theory is you, you put money in your retirement accounts, you, uh, you'll spend more money probably in the beginning of your retirement versus the latter part. I would challenge against that. Like, think about the inflation factor in 20, 25, or 30 years from now. With, with we've never had a situation, I call it the great experiment, we've never had a situation where they, the, the Federal Reserve and the US government is going to let inflation run hot, as hot as they're going to let it run for years in front of us to come. So in 25 or 30 years, what's the cost of bread going to be? What's the cost of a, a gallon of gasoline going to be? And if your income is not, and your investments and, and money is not increasing to that level, then you're literally falling behind. And you again, you could run the risk of not having the same lifestyle of, of what you have today if you live a long time.
3: It's interesting you talked about the uh, the, the great experiment, and, and that's so true. I, I was talking to a friend of mine, it was my brother-in-law, actually, and it, his jaw dropped. I mean, he's he sort of views life differently than I do, so to speak. But I mean, when I started to talk about that, he just was like, oh my God, <laughs> you're right,
2: it is. We've never been in a position like this ever in our history. We've never had $30 trillion in debt We've never had the uh, the interest rates artificially held low for this long, and they continue to have to hold them low because of the debt. So now inflation's starting to kick up. Uh, it, it's a perfect storm, Steve. It really Oof. is. And, and again, people need to figure out how to navigate that and not get stuck overturning your ship uh, or boat in that storm.
3: Well, I'll tell you what, folks. If we piqued your interest, and I think we have, why don't you go ahead and give Kevin a call right now and get on the calendar and have that conversation. See if you can uh, get your own plan going. Great idea, Steve. 10 callers right now are going to get that comprehensive financial review you will see where you are today but more importantly you'll find that you've got a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be 800-998-5649 again that's 800-998-5649 make that call right now while you're thinking of it when we come back we'll highlight some mistakes to avoid in planning
2: for your retirement
0: In retirement, some people like to take it easy. Uh, let's see, to nap or not to nap. And some people like to go, go, go. And then
1: we went to St. Thomas, then New Orleans, then our grandson's soccer game, then for the theater
0: of New York, to Bora Bora. You know what the beauty of it is? It's your choice. Ah, live it like you want. If you have the right plan, enter Financial Safari's Kevin Frisbee, 800-998-5649, 800-998-5649. funny money or not so funny money this time we're talking about funny money Benjamin Franklin said a penny saved is a penny earned but how much is a penny really worth well technically still one cent but it depends on when it was minted if it's a pre 1982 penny the copper in it's actually worth more Pennies made before 1982 were 95% copper. Since 2000, the price of copper has risen dramatically, making the meltdown value of these pennies more than the face value of the coin. Based on per pound current value of copper, the copper in each pre-1982 penny is worth 1.7 cents. Melted down, its value is 70% higher. But wait, don't go melting down your pennies just yet. It's illegal. Hold on to them, though. If the penny is ever discontinued as legal tender, then melt away. I'm Dave Perkins with Funny Money.
3: on Financial Safari with Kevin Frisbee I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall Kevin of course been helping folks get to and through retirement for a good long while put together a great team of folks uh, really all up and down the state of Maine you cover the you cover the state don't you well again I I mentioned the last segment
2: we just did a couple uh, seminars up in the Lincoln area and that's the furthest north we've gone with our seminar platform which is we had a great turnout Great response. We had it at uh, Gilmore's restaurant right there, uh, right in the main drag. Uh, and it was fun. It was nice to see some local people. We had some clients in the room. We had a lot of radio listeners that uh, listen to the show uh, with you every single week. And so it was fun to see some, and meet some of these people. Heard me on the Howie Carr show. So it's always fun to hear, pe- hear, hear where people have heard us or watched us on the television shows or on the Howie Carr show. It's uh, It's a good time and it's I love interacting with people. I, we've said a long time, right? Yeah. All this time during COVID, we we had this top two in seminars. Huh? I missed it so much. I just love being out there in the public, hanging around with people and listening to people's concerns and, and guiding these people along.
3: Well, in spite of what's going on, and I mean, with, with COVID, it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon, but it, it, somehow we're adjusting to it and, and learning to live with it. Well, let's face
2: it. People have to get informa- uh, good information, right? So they they want to come out and we'll separate people wear masks or not wear masks, that's their personal choice. And at the end of the day, they appreciate the fact that we're willing to go out there on on our side too, and put these informational, no cost, seminars on, on display. And, and again, we're out here educating the public and we're doing a great job doing it.
3: And so you talk about a f- things to avoid. We talk about a number of things, any, any, any given week we do. Um, and we talked a little bit about this in the last segment, but let's, let's mention it again. And that's not thinking about inflation because right now inflation is about as real as it's been in, a, in what, about 13, 14 years? I think it's been as real as it's been since the 1970s. Okay. Uh, you're talking about comparable 40 years back, Steve.
2: The, wow. And we're just starting. We're, we're not seeing the inflation, like again, you could compound inflation, all of a sudden they might give you a 6% raise in your social security check for 2022, but guess what's going <laughs> up? <laughs> the Medicare costs are probably going higher. I don't know how, how, how much uh, higher. Um, I can tell you healthcare inflation is going up 13 14 15%. So a 6% raise in your social security checks is not going to keep up with the healthcare costs. I, there's no one inside. I just don't see any stop to it. Wages are going higher. You've got uh, companies having to raise their wages. You've got minimum wage in some states of $15 an hour. Well guess what? The, the economists warned us back then, if you're going to raise rates and, and wages like that, uh, to the, to the the general public that are doing basic jobs like that, not to take anything away from the, the necessary jobs, but it's going to have a ripple effect through the inflation cycle of the economy and everybody's going to have that higher higher cost. So sure. this has been predicted. It's not like, it, it, people shouldn't be surprised out there. You've got printing that have happened for, now. The, the printing presses are on screech right now and continue to accelerate. Why are people surprised that prices are going higher? They shouldn't be because we've been warned
3: about it right And uh, you know in your experience, Kevin when, when folks come in and sit with you uh, and they talk about well this is what this is how much money I really need in retirement, how accurate is that and, and are they sometimes uh, um, prone to maybe underestimate?
2: Absolutely and, and so one of the things I'll ask people when they come in to, to that point, Steve, great great point is have you done a budget? what is it going to cost to run your household on a monthly basis? And the two parts to that is, You've got your basic needs of running a household, whether you're a homeowner or a renter, it doesn't matter. You've got utilities and heating, whatever that is, right? What's the cost of that? Insurances and taxes. And then the, the lifestyle. What, how, what are you going to spend? What are you going to end up doing? And that's a variable number that will change year to year. The two things that people forget to estimate in the budget is healthcare cost number one, what's it going to cost for healthcare? We know what it's basically going to cost after you get to be on Medicare 65, but what's it going to cost before that if you're working and you need to go get a healthcare plan? And then the other thing that people forget to build into that is income taxes. If you say to me you need $3,000 a month or $4,000 a month, I'm going to tell you you need four or $5,000 a month, depending on you know what what, you, what that looks like because of income tax purposes. So the, the fact that people come in and don't know what their budget need is, is a little Concerning to me. I mean, one of the exercises we give people, we give people homework to go back home is go for and I don't need to see, I tell people, I don't need to see what you spend on your cell phone or your personal items. Or, that's that's not the point here. I don't need to see any of it. What I want you to do is go write everything down, at least for one or two months, so you know what you're spending on stuff because it's a it's an eye-opening thing. People are surprised they come back and say, oh, I didn't realize I spent Nine hundred dollars this month on groceries. Right. Well, yeah. Guess what? That's not probably going down either. No,
3: not anytime soon. But you know, your book does a great job of addressing that that whole budget and and how that makes sense. And I know it's it's simplified. When you say every dime every day, that's essentially what you're saying is keep track of every dime. That's you personally, not not that you have to share it with you. Right. That that's my point. That's the whole purpose of the title is every dime every day, tracking every single thing that you
2: spend on a daily basis. And again. I wrote the book because my wife and I started doing that 23 years ago, and when we when we did that, it get us it gave us an element of control. It, it taught us discipline, but it gave us an element of control over our expenses, and so we could see every single month. We still do it today. We could see every single month what we're spending, where we're spending it on, and again, it's about budget's the dirty word for a lot of people. For us, it became a game. It's like, oh, look at look at what we got here, and look at and and again, it doesn't necessarily change your lifestyle. It's just a tally sheet to see where we're at every single month in our well, household,
3: and to see that you can maintain that lifestyle and and know where that money's coming from, and and, and
2: or redirect some of the expenses that sure. maybe you're spending money in places that you shouldn't be spending as much. It's just designed to throw it up in front of you and say and make you think, hey, maybe I can do something better with that money. Versus, it's like when I tell a story in the book about. You know, people going to the convenience stores. This is me, by the way. When I was going to the convenience stores early on and going to buy Coca Colas and snacks and all that kind of stuff, you know, you get gasoline, you pop in, and they they design these stores to get people to spend money on stuff that they probably don't need. Probably not. So it didn't probably not right. So you take the the amount of money that people spend in these convenience stores, quote unquote, and and you look around and how much is that money every single week on stuff that you probably don't necessarily need, and it's it's a lot of money. That's why there's convenience stores in every corner in this country. It's, people, it's a lure to, to bring people in. The gas is the, the, the lure, right? And you, you obviously got, all of a sudden go in and buy lottery tickets and buy this and cigarettes and all beer and whatever that people buy but to add that up on a weekly basis it ends up being a large number sure it does
3: 800-998-5649 is the number that can get you started let's talk about retiring too early for a bit and because that that can happen too and i know for a lot of us especially with the pandemic we've kind of been dealing with a lot of emotional stuff and you know you said last week i think kevin that you know the number of nurses and teachers that you see wanting to get out you've got to be able to to deal with that you've got to be able to plan for that you you really do, but but aside from the COVID situation
2: and people, um, uh, re- trying to retire early. You know, maybe be forced into early retirement. How about the people that think they want to retire at sixty years old or even fifty five years old? My question is, great if you have the ability to do it financially, that's perfectly fine. Let's figure out how to do it. But but my biggest concern, my bigger concern, a question is, what are you going to do with your time? I mean, at the end of the day, if you have got a plan laid out for your time, great. But if, if you think that you're going to hang around and, and, you know, maybe do some projects around the house, that doesn't, that gets old pretty quickly. And, and I'm telling you that from the, the experience feedback that I hear from people. And a lot of times people come in, I had a 57 year old retire just uh, maybe about six months ago and we just did uh, our second review. He's been with us for about a year and he come in and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm go- I went back to work and I'm like, oh, well, what happened? And he's like, well, I just got too bored. Okay, I mean, I understand that he's only fifty something odd years old. Sure, he could have thirty years in front of you. What are you
3: going to do for thirty years of being unemployed? Basically, is what it is. Yes, exactly. And when you're, if you're a couple, you've got to really figure out how one is going to be able to take care of the other and vice versa, because you never know. And, and particularly if you have an age gap, but you yeah. know, in a household,
2: and I've I've come across this more frequently. It looks like four, five, six years is, is pretty normal, but you sometimes get in a situation where there's 14, 15, 20 years uh, of age gap. Well, It takes a different strategy sure. uh, of planning, you know what I mean? It's, so what happens for healthcare purposes? Who's carrying the healthcare? I, you know, somebody, if the older person's at 65 already on Medicare, what's the younger person going to do? And, and who's going to carry that? And if they're not working full-time, you're gonna to have to go to market to buy that. so there's a lot of dynamics Steve in, in distribution planning making sure that the younger spouse has those incomes just in case you do pass away first likely so and uh, in in you know how does that look when you do pass away do you maybe maybe you get a life insurance policy in place to make sure that younger spouse has enough uh, reserve to be able to maintain their lifestyle there's, well, that- there's a lot of factors here
3: and we haven't even touched on Social Security, especially if there's an age gap. I mean, that becomes, I mean, when to claim Social Security, that whole strategy, that's a whole area that, that you know we could spend days talking about.
2: We we spend a lot of time talking about. And so the reason why we do what we call a retirement income planning workshop, talking about Social Security strategies, talking about that, laying out that plan and where does that all fit and who takes what, when, when it comes to Social Security. By the way, I was reading a, an article just uh, a couple of days ago. Now, Social Security, because of COVID, they're blaming it on COVID, of course, uh, Social Security is uh, now fully funded until 2033, at which point they're not going to be able to pay the full benefits anymore to retirees. And if you look at you, go to ssa.gov slash my account and look at your last Social Security statement. And at the very bottom of the front page, or maybe it's the bottom of the second page, read that little in-quote parentheses. We may, at some point in the future, not be able to pay the full amount of benefit that's shown on your on your statement. Well, if, if you get paid all of a sudden, if you're relying on Social Security, you get paid only 65% of it or 60% of it, whatever that number is, if they decrease that, if they have to do that to, to fully keep it funded, how do you handle that? Are you, are you relying on Social Security is, I guess, my question. And if so, should we think about doing something different right now before that happens in 2033? Sure.
3: Well, I think that's a good discussion to have. If you'd like to have that, now would be a great time to give Kevin a call and just get on the calendar and, and begin the process. Hey, folks, this is a a great opportunity. Everything that Kevin was just talking about there, it's it's an opportunity to put a financial roadmap together, uh, take that complex financial world and really make sense of it. It's a practical financial review. And if you're looking for a second opinion, I know a lot of you are, give Kevin a call. 800-998-5649. 10 callers right now is going to get that financial review and you'll see where you are today. Yes. But more importantly, you'll find that you've now got a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 800-998-5649. Again, 800-998-5649. When we come back, we'll highlight four startling statistics of retirement at least one will surprise you
0: 800 998 Retirement is the beginning of a new life for you. It's a new day. New Day spotlights a couple of retirees who started businesses after retiring. According to the 2018 small business trends for baby boomers, one-third of all small business owners are ages 50 to 59, 17% are 60 to 69, and 4% are 70 and older. Don Russell falls into the 17% category. He's 66 and he's retired twice. The first time was in 1994. He took an 18-month sabbatical after retiring from investment banking and then the itch set in. He went back to work doing merchant banking and private equity sales, then he retired again in 2014. The man just can't sit still, because he got that itch yet again three years later. With two other partners, Don started Clearwater Business Advisors, a management consulting firm in Tampa, Florida. He's young still, plenty of time for several more retirements. A go-go years road trip inspired Denny Jensen. Jensen, who's now 76, says after retiring from a career in finance, he realized something. He decided there are only so many times you can play golf. During a trip to Hawaii with his wife, Denny noticed a booming local ice cream franchise. Inspired by starting a business that wouldn't need to be built from the ground up, he researched franchising and became the owner of a Molly-made cleaning franchise. At 76, he's in the 4% small business owner age category how you spend your retirement in your new day is a personal choice but obviously entrepreneurship is an option get your plan together and get ready to start a new day
3: We're back on Financial Safari with Kevin Frisbee. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin is author of Every Dime, Every Day. He's president of Frisbee and Associates. Has a great team of folks surrounding him and uh, supporting him. And really, a lot of you, right? I mean, because you work with people all over the state. And and I mean, they just keep coming to you. They do. And we have
2: a lot of great advisors here handling the influx of business. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to see this past year, for example, this this year, 2021, uh, looking at, at all the new businesses come in, and I think it, it's a little bit more than fifty percent have been just from referrals coming in this year. Wow! And to me, that's that's the ultimate uh, compliment, really, because if if people are sending their family and friends and coworkers in to talk with us, it doesn't mean they have to do business with us. But just sending them in to talk to us, um, and all of a sudden we we do convert some of those to clients. It's it's a great it's a great compliment from our clients. Absolutely. So in this
3: segment, let's talk Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, how much we'll need in retirement. And you talked about startling statistics. Well, here's one. One in three 65-year-olds today will live past 90. One in seven will live past 95. And I'm thinking, you know... When I was growing up, that was not the case. Obviously, no, but we're no. living longer. I mean,
2: people are definitely living longer, and, and and we have a we have a slide in one of our seminars. We we have like if you're a married couple and you're both sixty five today, the 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 one one of them has a chance to live past let's say eighty eight, and the other one has a chance to live past ninety five. To this to this example, usually the female, and the commentary we hear is. Because when the guy dies, the 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 quality of life goes off the charts, and she lives much longer because of that. So it's just a
3: <laughs> exactly. kind
2: of fun 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 we have with that in the seminars. Well, people, yeah, people get a chuckle out of
3: that. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about it. I, th- I think about my grandmother uh, who would who would spend summers with us, and she was retired, and you know, so I was I was a teenager, and I swear that she was a thousand years old, but she was she was in her <laughs> mid sixties. But she certainly, you know what I mean. She just, it, it's just a different time.
2: I'm laughing because I, I remember those times and those same thoughts when in my head. My now today, I'm 50 years old. My grandma's still alive, 93. She's going to be 94 coming up in a home. Unfortunately, she's got some some uh, cognitive issues. But sure. uh, you look at that and think, wow, 20 years ago, I thought she was getting older, but she was. She wasn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Here she is at
3: 93 years old. Right. Exactly. And you know, a lot of folks think that. You know expenses are going to go down in retirement and and maybe some will but but there are others that will probably go up yeah yeah well number one healthcare care costs cost of drugs
2: co-pays deductibles those type of things and you're usually healthcare costs as you get older you have more issues in a lot of cases so that's one part but again we talked about already a couple of different times in today's show the inflation factor on everything that's that's one of those things so the the theory a lot of times is people retire they uh, you know, start taking money from the retirement accounts to the lesser tax bracket. When they start to talk about changing these tax brackets, that's probably going to change that theory. Now we have to rethink how much do we put in the retirement accounts right now. Let's say you're 50 years old and you're listening to this, what's going on in Washington. and All of a sudden, the politicians come and change the rules midstream, and you've got 15 or 18 years in front of you to work and save for your retirement. What do you do now? Do you you pivot? Do you change? I would say, yeah, you should be thinking about changing and pivoting. Do you now focus on doing Roth contributions solely instead of doing pre-tax contributions? It depends, right? It depends on your situation. It depends on what might happen in Washington. And we don't know that going forward. We don't know what's going to happen 15 years ago with the politicians. But the point is, change is always in the air. And you have to change and pivot today based on what they uh, put in play for for for, uh, you know, higher taxes, let's say, and things like that, and and try to do the best we can with the rules that we know of today.
3: Well, you know, I just read a story, um, a pretty interesting story addressing, you know, we talk a lot about baby boomers and how, you know, however many of them are turning 65 years old every day and retiring and all of that. But you just said 50 years old, that's the Gen Xers. They're getting close to retirement too. And so, you know, I mean, they have to, and the story actually made the correlation and called the, the, you know, from a planning standpoint, from an advisor standpoint, called them Zoomers. <laughs> Zoomers, I hadn't heard that yet. Yeah, so. that's
2: pretty good. Well, the, yeah, it is good. That The whole point, Steve, again, if, if somebody's 50 years old today, in my my age bracket, looking forward, 5, 10, 15, 18 years, maybe 20 years on the top end in front of you for working and saving. Well, well, that's a long time, by the way. Number one, number two, it's it's a long time to save money and and get that multiplier and, and try to get that invested the proper way. But but again, do you do you now readjust and reallocate what kind of accounts or investments you're putting that into? And it is the answer is yes. It's going to be dependent on the changes that come come down the line in the next year or so in in Washington and, and how that affects the the, the retirement accounts and in the future potential taxes. Right, and and, and I'm I'm plugging a Roth, obviously, because right now the Roth still has that tax uh, benefit where you can put money into a Roth and you have it at least five years in place, and all that money down the road will come out tax free. And some people ask me, Kev, do you think they'll ever change that rule? Possibly. I mean, again, I I do think that they could change the Roth option. What they what they probably will do is is um, if they wanted to change it, they'll probably get rid of that tax free or tax-deferred situation, right? Tax-free situation. But the people that have done it up until this point, they're going to have to grandfather into those tax-free uh, accounts. Uh, I would assume anyway, yeah, again, right. everything's well, up for grabs.
3: Well, yeah, we don't know that. But uh, but again, but that's a distinct possibility, isn't it? That They could change the rules moving forward. It is. And, and uh, I can't remember the guy's name now. He owned uh, or started,
2: founded uh, PayPal. It brought the Roth uh, IRA to Congress's attention. Yeah. Who is it? Peter Thiel, Peter right? Thiel, yeah. That's it. So to, to that point, he had put his pre-IPO uh, PayPal stock into his Roth account at very minimal uh, cost to that. And all of a sudden, his, his Roth IRA is worth $5 billion. Yeah. And so <laughs> you look at that, and that's all 100% tax-free. And so now Congress is saying, wait a minute, we're going to start capping the amount that people can have in a Roth. So that something like that doesn't happen again in the future. Sure. And so again, it it is drawing attention with the economic situations right now going on to to some of these tax, uh, I'll call it a loophole if you want to call it for, for lack of a better term.
3: But but it's legit. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. No, I totally. That's what I mean. Yeah, he was just playing by the rules that they had created. But sure. he was smart to take advantage of very that with, smart with his
2: position. <laughs> yes, yeah, very exactly.
3: Smart. So let's talk Social Security. You mentioned this too. Now that uh, it's a, the, it, what I have here is that it um, can, can only continue to pay everyone in their full benefits until twenty thirty five. And uh, just to, for from perspective, I was telling you before the show, my uh, my youngest grandkids, twins, um, went off to school, went off to kindergarten this year, and uh, they're. Mom gave them shirts. Of course, she had to take the picture that it said "Graduating Class of 2035," and that. Yeah. Well, that's a bit of reality. That holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> it's not to say you're getting older, Steve. But, no, of course uh, not. Hey, <clears throat> we're, we're all getting older, right? But, 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 the, <laughs> but again, like you said, you, you're the one that said, "Well, that's how that's when Social Security could get reduced," and that, yeah, doesn't, well, seem that long long. Yes. doesn't seem
2: that long. Yeah, that long. It's not that long, right? So that to that point, part of the article it was just out of couple of weeks ago now we're now because of COVID they, they chopped off a couple of years. Now it's twenty thirty three. Some of the options, a lot of different options, there's like eight, nine of them, but a couple of the options they have on the table for shoring up Social Security, making sure it's funded is reducing benefits. I mean looking at you know maybe who has certain assets and income and maybe reducing the benefits or reducing benefits across the board raising the ceiling on in the income you know social security tax right now goes up to about $143,000 in 2021 they could raise that ceiling raise the full retirement age I wouldn't be surprised to see this happen I bet that retirement age starts to ratchet up to 68 69 and 70 uh, reducing the cost of living getting rid of colas well, that's not going to help these poor people <laughs> that, that are on. That fixed- doesn't seem like a good idea at all. <laughs> no, I mean, there's some of these people that are already on Social Security, right? They, they're dependent on some of that cost of living adjustments uh, to, to keep up with some of the inflation, and then raising the Social Security tax is another option. So that those are a handful of things that are being kicked around as potentials to look at, uh, for showing up
3: social security. Sure. Well, and then let's just touch on healthcare as we wind up this segment too, with, uh, I mean, uh, what uh, fidelity retiree healthcare for 2021, an uh, average retired couple at 65 this year in 2021 may need approximately $300,000 saved after taxes to cover healthcare spend expenses in retirement. That, I mean, and that's if- just a reality, isn't it? It is a reality, and
2: if people if people listen to that right now and think that's not that's not realistic, I'm on a Medicare plan. I pay 150 dollars a month for the two of us, uh, for each of us. I have a zero uh, premium Advantage plan. Let's say, well, like guess what? If you take long time, 25, 30 years, and all the deductibles, co pays, the premiums you pay, that's one piece. And then, God forbid, you need some sort of nursing home care or even assisted living or maybe even paying somebody to come in your home. That's that's going to be a tally that. Uh, could be higher than three hundred thousand, actually. But 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 let's say it's three hundred thousand. Where does that money come from? It's coming from your long-term savings mm-hmm. m- uh, accounts. Yeah. It's coming from your current incomes.
3: It's a, it's it's amazing to think about when you know when you say three hundred thousand. But and even if you spread that out over twenty years, that's still a lot of money that you need to have should something happen, because chances are something will happen. And and, and worse yet,
2: if you intend if you got you know kids and grandkids and you intend to leave behind that's going to be more or less money that you're leaving behind it's going to be more money that you're going to spend to the the hospitals the doctors the nursing homes and, uh, and and you know have your kids and grandkids fend for themselves and some people are fine with that but but i have a lot of conversation with with people that say you know what i don't want to have my estate my assets go to the nursing home i want to make sure that everything i busted my tail for and saved and scrimped for goes to my my bloodline goes to my kids and grandkids
3: and that starts planning. That means if you start planning at really putting that solid plan together at 50, you can really begin to make sure that'll happen as you get older and you know on into 70s, 80s, even 90s. 50 is
2: a great time, I think, to start to get right the ship for retirement. And that's why they have catch-up provisions on how much you can contribute at 50 years old. It's one of those times that people wake up in the morning and say, oh, it's time for me to pay attention to my myself. It's time for me to take care of my future and my retirement future.
3: It's, t- it's time, folks. It's time to make that phone call to Kevin right now. Let's go ahead and invite folks to call Kevin and uh, get another spot on your calendar. Sounds great, Steve.
2: For the next 10 callers who will call in today, we're going to create a one-page financial review that will indicate if you're in need of a full-blown financial plan. This review is a $499 value.
3: Five six four nine ten callers right now. We'll get that comprehensive financial review. You'll see where you are today, of course, but more importantly, you'll find you've got a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. Eight hundred nine nine eight five six four nine ten callers 800-998-5649 nine eight fifty six forty nine. We've got some great questions from listeners when we come right back.
0: mother of states the mother of presidents the mother of <laughs> lovers virginia. yes virginia the mother of presidents washington jefferson madison monroe harrison tyler taylor and wilson the mother of states because eight other states were partially or totally carved from its original land virginia also originally ceded territory to help form the district of columbia Virginia was called the Old Dominion because of its loyalty to King Charles II during the English Civil War. Virginia's one of four states to be designated as a commonwealth, and there's so much history. Jamestown, the first permanent English settlement, Colonial Williamsburg, Jefferson's beloved Monticello, Washington's home, Mount Vernon, many Civil War battlefields. In fact, the American Revolutionary War and the Civil War both ended in Virginia. Cornwallis surrendered in Yorktown, and Robert E. Lee surrendered to Ulysses S. Grant in Appomattox. How did it get its name? From Queen Elizabeth I, the Virgin Queen. Virginia was one of the 13 original colonies. She achieved statehood on June 25, 1788. But what about this Virginia's for lovers thing? In fact, it's an over 40 year old marketing campaign. It originated with the idea that Virginia could be for the lovers of many things, the mountains, the beach, history. Over 40 years later, Virginia still welcomes you on its signs stating that it is indeed for lovers. Virginia's population, 8.6 million, over 3.1 million or 36% live in Northern Virginia. The state bird is the cardinal. The state tree is the dogwood. Virginia's motto is Seek Semper Tyranus Thus always to tyrants Not really what a lover would say As far as food Virginia's known for its country ham Even Tony and Junior Soprano love it
1: Mom, it's Virginia ham
0: He's like a woman with a Virginia ham under her arm Virginia's economy is very diverse, depending on where you are in the state. The highest incomes are in Northern Virginia, shipbuilding in the Southeast, agriculture in Southside Virginia. Tobacco was Colonial Virginia's cash crop and for centuries fueled the economy of Southern Virginia. Thanks to a new law in April of 2020, Virginia will be welcoming casinos to locations throughout the state toward the end of 2022 and into 2023. Recreational marijuana is now legal for adults in Virginia. That means they can possess, consume, and grow, but cannot yet buy. Lawmakers are eyeing 2024 as a year to make sales legal. Legalize gambling, from tobacco to marijuana. Virginia, you've come a long way, baby.
3: On Financial Safari, one more segment. It's the questions and answers. Uh, you know, I've got the questions. Kevin's got the answers. It kind of works out well that way. And uh, so, you know, you were saying earlier, um, you had a pretty successful uh, couple of seminars uh, further north than you've usually been. And you know, you've got a calendar. Through the rest of the year that folks could find out by by giving a call or visiting the website frisbeebenefits.com yeah that's right
2: frisbeebenefits.com they can uh, reach out to us uh, figure out where the next seminars are we've got them scheduled for the rest of the year written in next year and uh, two minute to give on the show today so if you yeah. want to find out if there's something around you give a call to the office and we'll let you know what's, uh, what's close to you and when
3: that's the number you can call. And uh, so we've got um, a lot of great questions. Let's start with Kenny in Milo. He says, uh, I have just retired and decided uh, and have to decide if I should leave my money in my 401k with my previous employer or move it to an IRA. Now, I know the IRA gives me more investment options, but do I really need them? I also need to decide if I should place the funds in a target retirement fund or allow my portfolio to be actively managed. I I think I know where you're going to come down on this, Kevin. Hey, that's a
2: really great question, actually, because a lot of people are in this decision point where they retire or they're still working. They have the choice to move their 401k. If they're at least 59 and a half, they, they get a chance to move it to an outside IRA. To his point, Kenny, thanks for writing in. Yeah, it gives you more investment options. Do you need them? Well, let's talk about that. If you place them in a target date fund inside that retirement account in that 401k that you have, a target date fund is like a 2030, 2035 fund, 2020, whatever that is. Those funds actually are only changed and, and managed once a year. And they do it once a year based on the fact that you're getting older. If if is once a year, I guess my question is, is once a year enough to make changes in your investments in today's world? That's the question. And I, I'm gonna tell you, I believe the answer is no. We have way too much stuff going on and changes in this world right now and in this country that if you just rely on on somebody making changes in your investments one time a year you could get really stuck and hurt if the market starts going crazy and, and, and wonky down so i would say no an active managed portfolio is the absolute best way to go and the only way you can get that is in an outside chassis in an ira and i and i say this too if you stay with your current 401 you can call xyz company pay an additional fee for an active management, but you're doing it by phone. You're not doing it face-to-face like you'd be able to do with with a firm like ours here at Frisbane Associates.
3: 800-998-5649, Kenny, if you'd like to learn more. I was going to mention too, I know folks uh, are busy and they're in and out of the car. Uh, Just to remind everybody, the show's available as a podcast. It's available on your website, Kevin, as well as Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Google, um, Alexa. I mean, it's available anywhere that you get a podcast. You can get this show.
2: That's a great point. I, thanks for bringing it up. And, and I travel a lot, as you know, and I, I talk about our shows uh, everywhere I travel. And we've developed some listeners from here to Florida. I've got a lot of uh, people, friends that I know that are li- uh, every single week, weekly listeners of the podcast uh, of the show, because they go on a website or Spotify or one of those platforms and mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and download it and listen to it. So yeah, if, you, if you're if you a road warrior and you you don't have a chance to listen to the show all today... Go on a website. I think we've got about three years of, of shows, yeah, podcasts. Yeah, there's a bunch right? of stuff. Yeah, a lot of a lot of things on there, Steve.
3: Well, it's a it's a veritable encyclopedia, and you know you can kind of pick and choose because there's great descriptions of uh, you know what was in the show, and and so I, I just encourage you to go out there, and if you if you register or if you subscribe, it'll get delivered to you automatically, and you don't have to think about it.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Every single week, it comes to your uh, your email box, and you can uh, listen to it
3: at your. At your leisure, exactly. All right, let's get back into some questions here. Daniel's in Newburgh. He says, uh, "Call me a nerd, but I've always had fun researching, then buying and selling stocks as a hobby." However, my wife not so thrilled about me continuing this hobby as we get into retirement, which is only a couple of years away now. Any advice on a way for us to find some middle ground here? <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, you know what? Thanks for writing in, Daniel. I actually have this
2: conversation more often than you would think, and so. It's fun, it's exhilarating, it's kind of a, a, I don't want to call it gambling, it's kind of calculated risk-taking, right, if you're buying and selling stocks. And I'm, I'm, I'm reaching back to my day trading days when I was a day trader with my own money before I got the uh, license to help help people out here in the, in the public. The, the, the balance is this, you look at your big picture of what you have for assets and I'm never opposed to people carving off, let's say our custodians are TD Ameritrade, Fidelity and Charles Schwab. That's who we use in-house to hold our clients' money and, and manage. Mm-hmm. If you want to carve off a separate, let's say, TD Ameritrade account and you know, carve off some money over there and do your own thing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the the your wife's situation is I don't want Daniel you know, gambling. <laughs> She's looking at it gambling. Right. I don't want Daniel gambling with or, or taking risks with our retirement money because we're we're gonna stop working here in the next couple of years. Sure. So I understand both sides of that. I think the middle ground is you roll it over, have a professional manager like us, let's say, or somebody you find to work with, and then do your own thing with a, a part of the money on, on your own.
3: Yeah, that seems to make sense. 800 998 5649 Let's go to Jennifer in Freeport. She says, What, if any, are the risks associated with a Roth IRA? I never thought about that. Are there any? Well, that's a good question. And yeah, there's some risk, I guess, if you want to uh, talk about that. The, the
2: potential risk is, we touched on it earlier in the show, if if somehow in Washington, the politicians come to the table and say, we're not going to allow this anymore. It's too much of a tax loophole. There's a risk to that in, in that way, I guess. The, the risk is if you commit money to a Roth IRA And you're not yet 59 and a half and you needed that money and you, you drew it all out. You're going to have some penalties. So there's a little bit of penalty risk of, of tying it up for a lengthy period of time. Um, that, 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 to me, is really the only risk, aside from the investment risk, that might be within the portfolio, depending on what you pick for, for investments. Okay.
3: All right. 800-998-5649. Interesting view there. Uh, Georgia is in Wilton. Uh, she says, my partner of 25 years passed away three years ago. I'm the sole beneficiary of his Roth IRA. Now, the IRA was established uh, 12 years before his death. I've heard that the IRS has specific rules and time limits on distribution of a non-spouse inherited Roth IRA. We were not legally married. I have not taken anything out of the Roth IRA. What are my options? What are my limitations? Boy, just give Kevin a call. He can help you.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll guide you through that, Georgia. Thanks for writing in. We actually have a lot of uh, clients over the Farmington, uh, Wilton area. In fact, we do some seminars over in the, uh, the uh, Elks Lodge over in uh, East Wilton uh, oftentimes and at the Comfort Inn over in uh, Wilton as well. And if George, if you want to call up, and I know we have some scheduled uh, seminars over there, if you want to call up and find out what those dates and, uh, and locations are going to be, feel free to do that. Um, the thing when you, if you, your partner passed away three years ago, the good news about that is it was before the changes were made in 2020 for inherited IRAs and inherited Roth IRAs. So you are subject to start taking money out of those accounts uh, when you get to be uh, 72. Now, which is the required minimum distribution age, even though it's a Roth, you still got to do the uh, distributions out of that, even though they're not taxed. Um, so those are some of the so, some of the uh, limitations. You, you can't keep it there forever, but you can you can get it rolled over. It sounds like you you have a non-spouse inherited Roth, so again, you get tax-free growth in that. Um, that the time frame is you've got to do the distribution starting at 72 on. Uh, On those uh, monies. And if you're not at 72 yet, you can still wait.
3: Okay. All right. Very well. 800 998 5649. We got time for one more before we go. Uh, Skip is in Hamden. He says next year in 2022, I'm required to take RMDs, required minimum distributions from an IRA 401K and 457 plan. I don't need the money. I don't want to deal with the tax obligations. Converting to Roth IRAs doesn't seem significantly advantageous beyond reducing the amount used for calculations. What are options to avoid, defer, or pass on the tax obligations? I like that too. All
2: right, Skip, good question. So first and foremost, not to muddy the water, but it's likely they're going to pass the Secure 2.0 Act this year which means they extend the requirement of distribution age to 73 for you. So you might have until 2023 to have to decide this, so just to give you a little side note there. Um, if you don't need the money, a lot of times what we do, we set up a non-retirement investment account with our clients. And we can, a lot of times when we do the distributions, we have it just transferred from, from the retirement account to the non-retirement account that you can flow money in and out of. Um, if, if there's no real material benefit to doing Roth conversions, then again, you're just going to build up a non-IRA type of account outside of retirement accounts and, and, and keep putting money into that every single year and, and have it as a,
3: a piggy bank basically to use for maybe some future uh, expenses. All right. So uh, what about the charitable donations? Can that can he avoid some of the taxes that way? <clears throat> good good point,
2: Steve. So yeah, charitable donations from uh, retirement accounts from RMDs. If you have a charity, let's say, that uh, no, it has to be a nonprofit, 501c3, and you want to donate to a church, let's say, or a charity or, or some organization, and you don't you're gonna do let's say you, you go to a church, you wanna do donations, or you do donations anyway, and uh, and all of a sudden you can actually take RMD monies, directly send it to the organization you wanna to donate to, and it counts as your RMD, but it won't count as income because it's charitable donation. And so a lot of people that are tithing and sending money to the church and, and doing certain things like that, that's a fit. I mean, it could be something you can prevent paying the income taxes, give the benefit to your church, but do it a different way than you typically go to the church and write a check.
3: All right. Well, I, I mean, again, that's just nice to know that there's a lot of options out there in, in his situation. And I know that's the same for a lot of folks. And uh, folks, we have uh, really come up against the, uh, the clock already again. And so let's one last time, Kevin, invite folks to call and, and take advantage of the offer.
2: Sounds great, Steve. For the next 10 callers who will call in today, we're going to create a one-page financial review that will indicate if you're in need of a full-blown financial plan. This review is a $499 value. We're going to give it out absolutely free and complimentary with no obligation to the next 10 callers. What this will consist of is taking the mystery out of financial planning by mapping out for you where you are now. We'll also run a fee report to help you untangle what working with your current planner or advisor is costing you and see if by simply protecting your retirement investment
3: Hey, this is the last opportunity today, folks, to come on in, sit down, and put together a financial roadmap. Take that financial world that seems pretty complicated. Kevin understands. He can break it down, make it clear. It's a chance to get a true, practical financial review. And if you're listening, then give us a call 800 998 5649. 10 callers right now. Get that comprehensive financial review. You see where you are today, yes, but more importantly, you'll walk out the door with a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be so you've got nothing to lose give us a call 10 callers 800-998-5649 again 800-998-5649 and uh, kevin as always one of my favorite hours of the week it goes by so quickly but i love the information it's always fun and interesting
2: yeah it's always a fun show and anybody that listen to the show right now if you haven't called before give a call we're going to return your call within an hour of the show ending if you've called before and you want to get back in the calendar complimentary you don't you're not going to get charged come on and see us and, and let's talk about some of the concerns you might have
3: Sounds great folks. Hey, thanks for listening everybody. We really do appreciate it and we will be back again next week with uh, Kevin with more topics and questions and all kinds of stuff right here on Financial Safari with Kevin Frisby.